Your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Welcome to another edition of Retirement Matters. I'm Walter Storholt here alongside Michael Stewart. He's the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial at Crystal Lake, Illinois, is where the office location is. And you can find Michael online from anywhere at crystallaketax.com. He's the co-author of the book, Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street, available now on Amazon, and has about two decades of experience as a financial planner. Here's what's coming up on today's podcast. We're going to talk about what it looks like to go to what we like to call the financial grocery store, something we probably all do going to the grocery store. Now, it may be your weekly task. I actually love going to the grocery store, Michael. I don't know about you, but like I, I find it to be very therapeutic. I just love going to the grocery store and shopping. I could spend all day there. My wife's the complete opposite. She's like, let's get in, let's get out. I like to walk up and down the aisles, have a cup of coffee while I do it, make it an experience. But I guess we have all have our own styles there. This is true. I believe I'm much more in line with your wife there. I go there with a <laughs> list. I'm diligent. I want to get in and out. When I go with my wife, Karen, meanders around up and down the aisles, and it gets frustrating because <laughs> I'm there to do something specifically, and that's to get my list and get it out, and unfortunately, it's a social event. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I can't go to the grocery store together because our, our two styles just clash so much there. So regardless of your style, though, we can all identify with going to the grocery store and what it's like. We're going to take some of the lessons of everyday shopping at the grocery store and apply them to financial planning. So we'll do that a little bit later on in today's podcast. Podcast. But as we always like to do, we're going to kick it off with what's happening in the news. And we look at some of the recent headlines to see how some of the news might impact you as a saver and investor short term and long term as well. And one recent headline that I saw, Michael, that I thought was really interesting. Several companies have announced employee bonuses and increases in their company-wide minimum wage programs because of the new tax reform. That's been all over the news, of course. And I'm curious, do you think this is a short-term bump, or do you expect to see positive changes like this continue throughout the year? I anticipate it's more of a sugar rush. It's more of kind of a sugar high between the reduced corporate taxes and bringing back the profits that are held overseas. And that's why you're seeing some of these additional funds been in the form of bonuses going out. I look at it as a business owner is that taxes have never really made me decide whether to hire another person. Taxes have not made any difference in, am I going to open a second or third office? And I don't think any manufacturers or major employers are doing that as well. I think that if it made financial sense because there was demand for their product and services, regardless of income taxes at the corporate level, they're going to invest in their business and expand. If it doesn't make sense, hence why they did not already build those plants or hire those additional employees, then I think that's where I see this just as a sugar rush. It's a great start. It helped fuel the markets you know, right around the beginning of the year. But as time goes on, it's going to dissipate and we're going to have to really face some of the economic realities that are going on out there. Yeah, more of the uh, more of the shot in the arm beginning of the year seems to be the case. But uh, there are so many other factors that go into companies making major changes like that, it seems. So it'll be interesting to watch how that develops over the course of the year and if those kinds of positive changes do indeed continue or if they were just short-term beginning of the year kind of moves. Another headline that I saw recently, Michael, that I thought might be worth mentioning, and this is a little bit less of a, you know, true financial investor headline, but I think it's interesting nonetheless, kind of from a larger economy scale. And I like getting 
getting your opinion on these kinds of things. In the past year, there were several economists who talked about the impact of increased automation in the labor market, or to put it more plainly, robots taking away jobs from people. There seems to be a lot of interest in robots nowadays, of course. It seems like there's a news headline about them. What's your take on this whole trend? How real is the threat of people losing their jobs to robots in the future? It's very real. And there's multiple reports that are out there that have been pointed to that. And you know, here here more recently you've seen it in the news, but it, it's really been an ongoing for the last five or ten years, pretty much between you know intelligentsia and the academic community. And it's just now starting to be paid attention to by the general public and the news organizations. But if you take a look at and really you think about where we are from a technology standpoint between artificial intelligence, I know some of the, I do some independent consulting for a local municipality on their economic development efforts. So that's the business attraction, you know, uh, outside bring, you know, big people to buy a, build a 500,000 or 250,000 square foot warehouse and incentivize them to do so. And I, I know 10, 15 years ago, you were incentivizing them. It didn't matter what they were building. You were incentivizing them because of the amount of jobs that they were bringing. But the reality is that it's not the jobs anymore. The amount of capital invested into these expansions, these new plants or these retrofitting existing facilities, they're investing more money, but they're investing the money not in people, but in technology because of the efficiency associated with the technology. They can have half as many, if not 80% less people and have the output and the productivity actually expand more. You know, and that becomes a big concern for the workforce, you know, not only an aging workforce, but some of the considerations that you have out there is, you know, what's the jobs of the future? Not just three or five years from now, but 10, 15, 20 years from now. All big implications, I think, and it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens over the next many years with robots and how we kind of, you know, adapt to that. But, you know, I think you look back in time, Michael, and there have been these kind of earth shattering technological changes that have happened in the past and things have ended up being okay. People adapt, people change, they're able to stick with it. There might be a period of growth, but we end up seeming to be pretty adaptable people. So we're just going to find other ways in which humans can find work. At least that's the, the positive opinion that I tend to take. I agree with Warren Buffett when it's one one door closes, another one opens. I'm optimistic on the future of the United States, on the world. And, you know, similar to the point that you just made is, yes, there's short term disruptions, whether it's in industries or different technologies. But history will show that we always come out better for it in the long run. Great points. Uh, Speaking of doors opening, let's open the door to another mailbag question on this week's edition of Retirement Matters. This is where we answer some of your questions on the program each week. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future podcast, you can do that by going to crystallaketax.com and contacting us through the webpage. We will go to a great question here from Chris. Chris is in, it looks like Barrington, writing in from there. I've never really considered myself to be in the ballpark of needing a financial advisor, says Chris. It sounds like the kind of thing that only rich people with millions of dollars do. Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, Chris, that's not unusual to hear that idea. I mean, there's individuals every week that are coming to my conference room table that, you know, the only financial advice that they've really gotten is from their brother-in-law or somebody sitting at the, you know, at the lunch table with them at work about, you know, what funds to pick or, you know, what the latest, hottest investment's going to be. But it's primarily for either those that either don't have a large nest egg or they're just in the process of saving for retirement. The reality is that there's really three components to being successful as a lifetime investor. Now, the first one is safe. Sure, it sounds like common sense, but it's the hardest thing for most people to do because it's delayed gratification. The earlier you start, the less you need to save later, you know, due to the miracle of compounding. 
Second, you keep your fees low. You know, I think we talked about that on the last podcast. One of the greatest thieves of wealth is high investment fees. If you're paying more than 1% all in, you know, you should probably be finding a better way. And the third thing is managing your behavior in good markets and bad. How you react to market conditions are a huge determinant of your long-term success. Did you get greedy, stay too risky when things went up and gains become losses? Now, if you work with a fee-based financial advisor, so not somebody who's getting commissions who has to sell you something to make money, but a fee-based financial advisor, they can assist you in all three phases here. So it doesn't matter whether you've got 50,000 or 50 million, all three of these are very critically important to you. So for the first three areas is based on the retirement lifestyle or the goals you've attached to your retirement, you determine how much you need to save. Second, tying it to those goals, determine how much risk you should be taking. I call it risk management. Most people call it asset allocation, but really I wanna know how much risk, what's our downside. And I'll give you an example in our practice. We have some clients that have $100,000 that we manage and others are in excess of millions. The one thing that rings true is that that 100,000 is just as important to that client as the million is to another. And we manage it that way with that understanding. It's why we don't have account minimums. You know, we're not one of those commercials where, hey, call us if you have 500,000 or more to invest. You know, we think it's money's important to everybody regardless of the balance. So if you're a fit for the firm and we've got a similar conservative investing philosophy, then, you know, it's a fit for us. One of the things is that the value of working with a financial advisor, Chris, is that you have somebody to be the coach or the quarterback and kind of the handholder along the way to make sure that you're saving enough, not taking too much risk and making good decisions in good markets and bad. That's the value of a financial advisor, not just how big or small the portfolio is. That's a great point. And again, you can submit questions or if you want to get in touch and talk to Michael about your particular situation when it comes to investing, planning for retirement and your overall financial future, just go to crystallaketax.com or call 815-526-3092. 815-526-3092. All right, time to talk about the financial grocery store. Try not to get hungry while we do this. This is uh, very very dangerous. A lot of people, they start to hear their stomach growl whenever we talk about the uh, retirement grocery store. So, you know, hold on. You've probably got that specific routine for how you like to go grocery shopping. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, how Michael and I are a little bit different in that regard. Some of us are list makers. Others kind of wing it. Some put nearly everything into the cart in a very neat style. Other folks just toss it all into a big pile. I want to discuss how retirement's a lot like this habit of, you know, how we shop for groceries. Uh, Very first tip, this one might seem kind of obvious, Michael, but hey, styles are different. People often overlook this. Know what you need. That's obviously going to be the first tip, but not everybody is. That's not easier said than done, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No, absolutely. And one of the things about knowing what you need is, and it really always goes back to the kind of that goals and purpose-based approach, is that if you don't know what retirement looks like for you, or you don't know what you're saving for, you really don't know what you need. You really don't have that grocery list. So, you know, part of it is the same way you'd sit down at the kitchen table at home or at the counter and you'd start filling out, you know, these are the things that I need. That's what you have to do even from an investment standpoint and a retirement planning standpoint. So, you know, if you go to the grocery store without a list, it usually goes badly. And the main reason is you go in there with, oh, there's about five or 10 things I need to pick up and you leave with $300 worth of groceries. Now you may have been hungry, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I'll take a little of this and a little of that. But is it actually accomplishing what you're trying to do, which is feed your family for the week or in the case of retirement planning, feed your family for the lifetime. 
You know, so in many times individuals, and I think it's just poor education within our society on financial matters, both in high school and in, you know, in college, they don't teach anything about finances as far as personal finances and most employers don't as well. People often don't know what they need their assets to do. Do they need income? Do they need growth? Are they concerned about long-term care? Do they need a little bit of all those kind of things? That's where having that shopping list really comes in. Is that So then that way, when you begin to look at the different shelves of all the different things that are available for you, you'll know what to grab off the shelf because it's a fit for what your financial diet is compared to something that maybe you should just kind of you know pass on and keep those financial New Year's resolutions. Great points. And so that's the first comparison between grocery shopping and retirement planning. Know what you need. Then you've got to make sure that everything fits together. What do we mean by that? Part of that is if you went to the grocery store and wandered around just randomly grabbing things, you'd have a cart full of products, but they wouldn't really fit together. It'd be like, I'm going to put my sour cream on my steak. Okay, Was that the direction that you were going for originally? I may have done that a few times, Mike, where I uh, end up with a whole bunch of meat, not a whole lot of vegetables, you know, and you come home. It's like, well, this isn't a very well balanced meal I've picked out here. Yeah, you and me both. We've all been there. And whether so it's financial shopping, whether it's grocery shopping, it's the exact same thing is you need to understand how all those things work together. So if you're somebody who's very risk averse or maybe you're in retirement or nearing retirement, then you might want to leave those emerging markets, you know, those really risky type of investments kind of on the side. If you're somebody that needs income, then you need to go shopping in the interest and dividend aisle and maybe a little bit less stock market based if you can't handle some of the volatility that comes with that. So the key thing is that whatever goes in your financial cart, it's got to address some of the goals that you have and make sure that they complement each other. One of the things I see is a lot of red flags in our practice, and this is even for people that are working with you know, so-called advisors, is they come in, they want a second opinion on what they have, and I say, okay, what's your goals? What are we really trying to accomplish here? And we find out that the strategies and the products they're using are in direct conflict with the goals that they're trying to achieve. So you know, identify those red flags for them and just say, you're not going to get a balanced retirement meal out of this. Great points as always. We're talking with Michael Stewart here on the Retirement Matters podcast today, founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, having some fun comparing the retirement planning world to going to the grocery store. And you really, this is important for both categories as well, should know how much you're paying. You really kind of need to almost be, you know, if you've ever watched prices right, you'll be in good shape when you go to the grocery store because you kind of know what the right prices are for items. And you need to find a way to do that in the financial world too. Correct. And, you know, for the record, I'm more of a Bob Barker guy than a Drew Carey guy. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you are grocery shopping, you know, do you ignore the prices that are on the shelves? If you see two things next to each other and you think they're comparable, they're all doing the same thing. You know, it's if you need pretzels and you've got the name brand and you got the generic brand, if you're going to eat them soon, so you're not really worried about shelf life and those kind of things. The reality is that, you know, if one's a dollar cheaper than the other one, but you're getting the same thing, you might want to be cognizant of the prices. You know, in the long run, when you start piling those things into that financial cart, all of a sudden those things start to add up. And in the financial world, people really don't have any idea what it's costing them. You know, they have all these financial products in their cart and they say, okay, I got this, this, and this. But the reality is they've never actually taken a step back and said, okay, what am I really paying for all this? I know, you know, we've had clients in here where we show them that they're paying, you know, let's say they've got a half million dollar portfolio. They're paying 3% all in between advisory fees and mutual fund fees and what have you. And I just write up on the board. I'm like, okay, do you realize you're paying $15,000 a year in fees? 
they're like, no, I can't be paying that. I said, well, that's 3% of $500,000. And, you know, they're mad. There's steam coming out. And they're like, no, my broker said I was just paying 1%. I'm only paying 5000 Yeah, but your investment's having another 2% in them, you know, and they didn't know that. So that doesn't make the advisor wrong. The other advisor doesn't make the product wrong. But it's important for transparency that if you're going to pay kind of a premium, you know, kind of a brand name price for a product, it's critically important that you understand that you're paying that and are you getting the value for it? You know, many times we'll see it is, you know, one of the things on the, the let's say market-based, just index funds or exchange-traded funds compared to actively managed mutual funds, you know, where somebody's taking their best picks instead of just buying the market in general. When it comes down to knowing what you're paying, I'll point up on a board and just say, okay, we can get the S&P 500 index, you know, just the general U.S. market 500 largest companies for 0.2%. Or we could have this actively managed fund that's trying to mirror what this is doing, but they're going to charge us 1%. Well, if they're all buying the same stuff, would you rather pay 1% or would you rather pay 0.2% if the performance is going to be about the same? And the reality is the 0.2% is a better option for you because the less you have to pay out in fees and expenses the better it is for your overall return. So instead of just grabbing those financial products off the shelf, take some time to understand what they're actually costing you. And last but not least, Michael, one more comparison between these two, retirement grocery store and retirement actually planning. It's one thing to look at those products on the shelf and say, all right, yeah, these pretzels are a dollar cheaper, so I'm just going to get those. I'm going to get the store brand instead of the Utz jar, that, that brand name pretzel. And that might work sometimes. It might work for pretzels. It might work for certain things. But still recognize that there is a caveat there. The cheapest option isn't always going to be the best one. 100% correct. You know, I'll, I'll give you a grocery example since uh, since we're all open and sharing on our grocery shopping <laughs> behaviors here is uh, I'm not sure if you've ever bought, I'm a big fan of like the Cheetos cheese balls. Sure. And if you go out and buy the generic ones, if you eat them that day, there's little discernible difference between the two. If you open that bag, like my kids leave it open all the time, a day later, they're stale, they're bad, and it, it wasn't worth saving that dollar, you know, because basically the whole product's bad. And both financial advice and financial products kind of work the same way. The, the cheapest option isn't always best if that's not what you need. So I'll give you a couple examples. So one would be, you know, there's all these commercials out there for robo-advisors, for fractions of a percent, you know, stop paying real life people advisors, stop paying brokers, you know, go into this robo advisor, you go into a computer program, you answer these 10 drop down questions, and then they'll build you a cheap portfolio. Now, there's nothing wrong with that portfolio. But the reason it's cheap is because there's no advice behind it. You know, it's just an algorithm that says, okay, if you said you would do this in this market scenario, then we're going to do this here. And that's how you're going to be allocated. The problem with that is that your life is more complicated than that. The markets change. They go up, they go down, they go sideways. Things within your life, life circumstances change. The robo doesn't know that. So you might be paying half a percent or a third of a percent instead of 1%. But if you're getting value for that advice, if you're getting some handholding from your advisor, if you're having someone help you with estate planning and tax planning and different things that are going on from a family dynamic situation, you know, assisting you with life insurance and long-term care and all of these other financial matters that are independent of the investing side of it, you know, you're getting what you're paying for. You know, so I mean, in my practice, you know, we use very low cost 
or sometimes no cost internal fee investments. So things that are, you know, fractions of a percent or they don't even have an internal cost in there. And the reason why is when we charge somebody 1% as an asset under management fee without any commissions with, you know, very low internal expenses for anything that we pick, we want them to see the value and the advice that they're paying for, not the product. The product is a commodity. The advice is not. And that's where, you know, by having nearly 20 years of experience in financial planning, you know, that's where it comes out because I've walked down this path with hundreds of other families before. So it might be new to you, but it's not new to me. And I think that there's tremendous value in that. So helpful to kind of see real life examples sometimes. And that's what we try to do here on Retirement Matters. Talk about the matters that are important to your life, especially from a financial standpoint. And finding a way to relate the world of going to the grocery store to planning for retirement is always a fun activity. And uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you had an entire thing of cheese balls go bad after just being left out for a day. That's unfortunate. Do you get the like real big, super big tub with the big lid on top? We do. We do. Yeah. It looks like a barrel. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> the, we'll get that There you one. go. The barrel. Barrel of cheese balls. <laughs> oh, man. Th- those are the best when you get the right kind. But uh, this is true. Not so much if you don't. Well, very helpful information. Always good to hear about uh, these kinds of things. Hopefully you found that helpful as well. If you have questions about your financial plan, here's what happens. You give Michael Stewart and his team a call or go online and contact them that way. And just have a conversation about where you kind of stand right now in terms of your retirement preparation, some other financial matters that might be important to you. And Michael can talk to you about where you might have some deficiencies, some room for improvement in certain areas, where you might want to go with the less expensive product, or maybe where there's a product that might cost more but be more efficient and work better for you and be better in the long run. He can kind of help you see all these financial products, how they come together into a strategy, into a plan. As you kind of mentioned in the first podcast we did, Michael, you know, products aren't inherently good or bad. It's how you assemble them. It's how you put it all together. And uh, that's the conversation that you're going to have when you come in. Go to crystallaketax.com to start that conversation on the web. That's crystallaketax.com. And you can also call 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. Michael, thanks for the help as always, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Absolutely. And after all that grocery talk, it's time to go get some lunch. Let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, There you go. This has been another edition of Retirement Matters. Hopefully you're not too hungry. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for joining us. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.